Our first scripture reading today is from Psalm 130. If you would like to follow along, it's on page 705 of the Old Testament in your pew Bibles. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than those who watch for the morning, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is great power to redeem. It is he who will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's really nice to be here with you today and with all those of you who are joining online as well. Um, I've long been an admirer of this congregation back almost 10 years ago um, when I lived in Clifton and I was a chaplain in a hospital in northern New Jersey. I did actually attend this church um, at that time with Millie and uh, with our young kids and I uh, really enjoyed my time here, but was kind of under the radar. Um, and so it's a pleasure for me now uh, that since a year ago, I've gotten my Sundays back. I'm no longer in full-time parish ministry. Um, it's been a pleasure to drive down the Garden State Park, Parkway from Bergen County uh, to join you all under the radar most of the time <laughs> until now. Um, and today to join you uh, in the pulpit and to engage in God's word with you um, in this communal act of meditating on what God has to say to each and every one of us in this moment. Uh, please join your hearts and minds with mine as we go to God in prayer in preparation for reading God's word. Gracious God, uh, we give you thanks for your love and for your calling. We thank you that in this moment, you call us to open our hearts and our minds to your word, to your guidance, and to your love. We pray that your word today would ring true for us and that it, you would plant seeds in our hearts uh, to send us out into your world again and to do your mission. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Today's gospel reading comes from the gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 16 to 19 and 25 to 30. Listen now for the word of the Lord. But to who will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you. 
and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. For John came neither drinking nor eating, and they said, He has a demon. And the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Friends, this is the word of the Lord for which we say, thanks be to God. But to what will I compare this generation? We've all heard generational bashing before. Maybe you have even participated in it. If you're part of Gen X, you get a pass. No one really seems to notice you. But in our current generational landscape, spanning from Alpha, which is children from zero to 12, up to the greatest generation or the silent generation, we know that there is no love lost between millennials and boomers. Boomers love to complain about snowflakes, to which millennials reply, okay, boomer. With this opening question in our text from Jesus today, we see that perhaps this dynamic of generational complaints and angst is as old as time. There really is nothing new under the sun. But it's still startling to hear these words coming from Jesus If you were in a meditative space before the reading, the words might have jolted you out of your seat. Jesus is with a crowd. He's doing ministry. And we know Jesus isn't just blowing off steam when he's saying these words, when he's bemoaning the current generation. We know it's serious. We don't know exactly which generation he's talking about. Commentators have different ideas about that. Maybe it's all of society, or maybe he's talking about a group like the religious leaders of his day, that generation. But whoever he's referring to, it makes it clear that that generation is missing the mark. This generation in our text today has had two opportunities, not one, but two, and not two very similar opportunities, two that are pretty distinct. We have John and Jesus. They were blood relatives. They were cousins, but stylistically, they could not have been more different. 
If you remember John the Baptist, he was the guy who wore sackcloth out in the desert and ate bugs. This generation, they, wrote him off as being muy loco, as being a demon. And then there's Jesus who comes and he's spending time with all of the bottom dwellers of society. And this generation, they, write him off too. No matter what angle of the truth comes at this generation, they are missing it. With the decline of institutional religion, and specifically the decline of the mainline church, it's not hard for us to imagine Jesus bemoaning society or religious officials who are missing the mark. But missing what's essential, missing the truth when it's right in front of us is actually kind of how we're wired as humans. It's part of our DNA. In a famous psychology study from 1999 that Simon and Chabris did, participants of this study were asked to watch a short video. And if you've watched the video before, you know what I'm talking about. But just hang with me. So in this short video, it's about one or two minutes, you can find it on YouTube after the service, there are six people. And in the video, three of them are wearing white, three of them are wearing black. And the participants of the study are instructed to watch the ones in white and to track how many times they pass the basketball. Now, spoiler alert, the correct answer is 15 times. But what's interesting about this video is that during the video, a person who is dressed as a gorilla, a big black gorilla, comes and stands in the middle of these basketball players and waves his hands like this. The interesting thing, the takeaway from this, that from the participants of this study, only about 50% of them saw the gorilla. Now, I've showed this video before to congregations, and the research bears out. You'll hear people laughing in the pews for about 50%, and 50% kind of puzzled that that's happening, until you roll the film again. And when you see the gorilla, it's as obvious as day. This is what we call selective attention. 50% missed the big gorilla in the room. They were so focused on the one thing that they missed the big thing. Maybe even today, some of us miss the good news. And that's why we have to hear it over and over again every single Sunday. Today we have this reminder from Jesus again, one that likely you have heard before. Come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, this is important, and this isn't just a prescription for anxiety. 
He's calling all those around him to journey with him and to do the work with him. He's calling those around him who are carrying all the burden and the work of the world on their own shoulders to function in a different way. Now, the, the key part of this scripture is the yoke. If you're like me, you don't know much about yoking oxen. To my knowledge, there's not a lot of yoking of oxen here in Montclair. I might be wrong. <laughs> uh, but what I've read about yoking is yokes are placed on a pair of oxen so that they can do the work of plowing together so that they're not working alone, but they're working in tandem. We also, uh, in, in studies of scripture and of, of the historical text and the context, we know that rabbis also describe the task, the task of yoking as following the Torah or God's teaching. So this invitation from Jesus for us to take on the yoke doesn't mean that we cease activity. It means that we join with Jesus and Jesus holy act of loving the world. We join with Jesus in the act of discipleship through working with him. We will find rest. Jesus says, come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I have to ask the question to you all today. Where are you feeling burdened? Where are you feeling overburdened? We have all agreed, agreed to enter into the work with Jesus, and yet it's so easy to forget to, that we are not in control. I met a man once when I was working as a chaplain, uh, when I was doing my residency, actually, at the Veterans Administration. He was a veteran, and so I was accustomed, I was working on the behavioral health unit, I was accustomed to meeting with veterans who had been in combat and who had been carrying wounds from their service for decades. But this was not the case with this man. He had seen combat, yes. But what was bringing him into the behavioral health unit was something entirely different. A few years before, he had been in a bad car accident, and the passengers in the other car didn't make it. This was a Christian man. He volunteered day and night, but he could not find peace. One day we were talking, and he was talking about how good God was and how important church was, and also in the same breath, he shared how he could not forgive himself, how he could not let go of the horrific event from that day, how he could not move forward. In that space, I asked him what it was that he believed about God and God's goodness and God's love and God's forgiveness. And he knew what in his mind he believed. He believed in a loving God, and 
He believed in forgiving other people, and he believed that God forgave other people. He believed that God forgave sins. But at some level, he had not named that he didn't really, truly believe that God could forgive him. That this thing that had happened was something larger and bigger than God's grace. We sat together and I asked him what it would be like to experience that grace, to open himself up to God's spirit and to God's forgiveness. We sat there in silence and he prayed and as he did, tears flowed down his face as the grace washed over him. As he lifted his head, I could also see the burden lift from his shoulders and the heaviness lift from his eyes. Finally, he was able to lift up that burden to God and not to carry it on his own. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. What burdens are you holding on to too tightly today? What burdens are you carrying on your shoulders that are weighing you down? It doesn't even need to be stated, but we've all just made it through a global pandemic in our world that upended all of our lives. We all had to do impossible calculus around everyday decisions. And there were judgments about every single decision that we made. But we survived, and that took resilience. It's also true that there were a lot of burdens going around, and some of that residue might just still be with you. How do you cope with your burdens? Have you done it on your own a little too much? Or maybe there was some help from a Pinot Noir and Netflix. Maybe you need to hear this today. You're not meant to carry your burdens alone. You're not meant to take on the suffering of the world alone. If we learned anything from COVID, it's that we cannot do it alone. The burden's too heavy, and we do really need one another. I always kind of knew that in my heart, and that's something that I preached as a pastor very often. But it wasn't until we didn't have casual conversation at coffee hour or random hugs it wasn't until we couldn't exercise together or go to live events together or worship together that I realized the power of being together and what it means to be witness to other people's lives. We all experienced that. Isolation wasn't good for any of us, and it was especially detrimental for the most vulnerable in our society the youngest and the oldest, and those who are vulnerable in other ways. We really do need each other. The other point here that is also somewhat ingrained in us, in our society, 
is that we've been sold this message that we can control things and that we have a lot in our power and really that we can do anything if we just try hard enough. But that's not the message that we're getting in the gospel today. The message that we're getting in the gospel today is that if we try to control everything, we try to go on our own strength in our day-to-day, the burden's going to be too much. In fact, that's what Sabbath is all about. If you look at the concept of Sabbath, we work for six days, and we stop on the seventh relying on the fact that the world will still continue to turn if we're not working. And that something higher than us is in charge. I can't take on all the suffering of the world, and you can't either. The burden is too great, but we can join Jesus in the work. So friends, that's our invitation for today as we gather together and do what I like to call faith as a team sport, we gather together as a community rooted in faith. We lift up those burdens. Where are the burdens in your life that you've been carrying? And I ask you this question. Is it time to lighten up? Share this in the name of the one who was and is.